Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Really ambitious project here for our first Sunday night edition of this new season. Not only are we going to talk about all 30 teams, but we are going to try to be exclusively positive, focusing only on good things that we're able to find. Certain teams, including those that may have fired their coach after compiling the worst point differential in NBA history over the first three games by 17 points uh that may be difficult for but as long as we don't mention those teams by name I think it's fine right guys yeah sure uh sure and and, and that that tepid yeah was our our intern Liam Doyle who's going to help us out with a couple of these teams here before we get started I want to remind you we're sponsored today by RX Bar for 25% off your first order visit rxbar.com slash capspace and enter promo code capspace at checkout so you get to actually use capspace twice and they'll get you 25% off your first order all right liam uh, let's get started here liam by the way uh was one of my students at sports business classroom won a rabid competition among sports business classroom <laughs> students to be the intern this year uh we're actually paying him too so hopefully he'll uh <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll do a good job he interrupts me which is he's it's already getting too big for his britches here but uh yeah so we gave you the hawks and later the magic to talk about liam so uh where are they at record wise and uh what are the good things that stood out to you about them so they're one and two so far um i'd say the probably the biggest bright spot on the team so far has got to be john collins uh he's the rookie out of wake forest uh 57 true shooting percentage and 22 percent usage percentage he's playing mostly the five off the bench um but he's playing with some of the starters as well he's been really effective as a, a rim roller you know he's quick he's you know really mobile he's got a really quick jump so he's a good lob target um rolling down the lane and surprisingly he's been okay switching on the guards on defense uh in general uh defensively not so strong but at least he's put in a solid effort there and has been able to stay with some of the guards like dennis smith on some switches um he's had a couple positive passes too i was he wasn't a very strong passer in college but uh he had a couple nice plays. He won one where he caught it on the short roll and hit the weak side corner for a three. So just some some field plays that uh, I feel like he didn't show as much in college. So I, I think you know some good positive showings from him so far. Um, yeah, and you'd think that if anyone can coach him up to be an effective player, it, it would be the Hawks. And, and I've I've seen those things as well. Uh, I thought he was pretty good today. I watched their game against Brooklyn, showed some signs. The biggest thing about him, we knew this about him coming out of college, but seeing it in the NBA is always encouraging, is his rebounding. He really pursues out of area, especially on the offensive glass. He's really a relentless rebounder. And they've done a good job. You mentioned he's playing at center. They've always played him next to some kind of a shooter. At least I haven't liked the Lions with him and Mas- 
Scala as much but he usually plays with Ilya so they haven't tried him yet as a center in, in some real small lamps but uh, uh what else you got here uh so Dennis Schroeder uh, his stats overall haven't been that good he had a bad game today against Brooklyn but in the first game he was really good attacking um Dirk Nowitzki off the pick and roll obviously he was, he's very looks very explosive he's been really good from the mid-range uh, I think he's uh 45% from there 48% from mid-range so far this year he's taken a lot of them which may be more than you'd like but um he's doing a good job there and he is able to get shots in the paint um just blowing by his defender and you know beating the uh, the big on pick and roll. He had a good uh, good time attacking Frank Kaminsky, I think, in the fourth quarter of the Charlotte game. So when when he gets a big that isn't as adept at you know protecting the rim, he's good attacking that. But outside of that, he's kind of struggled in the paint. But uh, he, he's being a last. Hey hey, now slow, slow uh, down here. Don't, don't be don't be too negative. No no no, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's it's a young season. We everyone we're we're focusing exclusively on positives. Uh, no no, it, it's impossible not to do that. Uh, I'm sure we will we will danny and i will fall into the same trap no doubt right well and if one more one more small thing i wanted to point out Dwayne deadman two or four from three which is pretty shocking i i had no idea that was coming when i saw that but doesn't look too bad from there yeah he was firing away uh bob rathbun today was like Dwayne deadman shooting machine which i i really enjoyed but yeah those corner threes he was shooting them with no hesitation in in, in that brooklyn game today uh any other bright spots for the one and two hawks um uh prince prince uh torian prince has been all right uh you know okay defense he's he's really good getting out in transition and he's a good you know weapon there but uh i'll, I'll leave it at that because i don't want to get on the negative side so um i'd say that's about it for the, for the Hawks. <laughs> all right we'll move on to the one and two boston celtics um danny what do you got on the celtics here what stood out to you on, on the positive side for the boston celtics I've been pleased and enjoyed that Brad Stevens has reacted to the Gordon Hayward injury by trying a whole bunch of different guys because Boston had this unusual situation where they actually have a ton of wings. They don't have a ton of wings that are as good as Gordon Hayward, but no one does. But so they tried out, you know, Ojale's played about 20 minutes. Abdel Nader's played 18. Jabari Bird actually had, I think he had like 14 minutes in one game against the Sixers, looked okay. And and so I've liked that he's done that because they're looking for answers now and the best way to look for answers is to try to find them wherever you can yeah i think one of the things maybe the reason he went to bird uh, who's on a two-way with them right now and we've actually seen a lot of two-way guys across the league get more playing time because the clock hasn't actually started on their 45 days only once the d league starts do the which is monday count yeah yeah so the all these and i mean we've seen like alex caruso with the lakers and, and we've seen quite a few two-way guys mike james with the suns get more playing time i think maybe artificially more playing time just because coaches are like hey you know what it's early in the year and also maybe those guys aren't that much below sort of the 13 14 15 guys on the roster kind of the lower you get on the roster the less differentiation there's going to be between guys who are just out of the nba so maybe some of these guys earned it in camp and also though they're like hey these guys will be gone in a little bit we don't want to start the clock and then we might actually need them at times later so maybe this is the chance to find out if we can count on these guys later on if someone goes down yeah that could certainly be the case and boston you know they're going to have to figure out their identity throughout this but they do have a lot of guys that are worth trying and i was a big believer in ojale in particular and his strength makes him a more versatile player and they're going to probably be switching a lot more and so having somebody who can defend bigger dudes than his 
you know, then his height is is going to be valuable in that whole process. Yeah. Also for them, Marcus Morris has missed these first three games. We knew that coming into the season. I think he'll help them a lot. They part of the reason I think they went to Bird. Number one is because Marcus Smart uh, injured his ankle, uh, but number two, because Morris is out and they really just needed someone who could hit a shot. Uh, but it looks like Morris still is going to be out another week or so. He's going to be reevaluated uh, in a week. So Brad Stevens, you know that he's using everyone on the roster. He's going to have to continue to do that. Um, the good news for them, I think, is that Kyrie and Horford haven't shot all that well yet and I think both those guys are poised to improve so if they can just stay afloat during this time with Morris out try to just go 500 they had a nice win against the Sixers they should be in decent shape all right so what I'm going to do here actually I'm going to set a timer for three minutes going forward uh so we can uh keep this up uh, we'll get to the two and one Brooklyn Nets momentarily, but first from the aforementioned RX Bar. RX Bar, new sponsor for us, a whole food protein bar made with a few simple clean ingredients, all of which serve a purpose. I really like that they put basically every single ingredient on the outside of the package for each bar. They're perfect for a breakfast on the go, if you're having a snack at the office. And when I was actually working, I would usually not eat breakfast because I'm I'm like not hungry right when I get up. It usually takes me a couple of hours. So something like this would have been perfect for me. Just have that in the morning, get something to tide me over until lunch if you're one of our silicon valley bay area cohabitants here where you uh don't get to work until 10 30 maybe have a little snack there and then just uh, grab lunch from your beautiful google or facebook cafeteria uh, afterwards actually uh my fiance was doing some yoga she had her friend over they both had one afterwards said it tasted great I really enjoyed mine as well. My favorite so far, because I love peanut butter, the peanut butter chocolate. So give these a shot. Whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit flavors, then an RX bar exists for you. What you want to do to get started with them, let them know that you came from us. Go to rxbar.com slash capspace, and that'll let you see all the flavors. And then when you check out, make sure you enter that promo code CAPSPACE at checkout. They'll get you 25% off your first order. That's rxbar.com slash CAPSPACE, promo code CAPSPACE. Get double the CAPSPACE uh, with rxbar. That's rxbar.com slash CAPSPACE, promo code CAPSPACE. So I think the best thing you can say about this Brooklyn team, despite the demise of Jeremy Lin in the first game, it's a fun team to watch right now, I think. Their game against the Hawks was just a blast. I, I really did enjoy it. And one of the big reasons was Jared Allen. Jared Allen, somebody we saw at the 2016 Hoop Summit, not the, you know, the most dynamic big, especially in the league right now, but he works hard. He has good instincts. And I really liked one play in particular where he was guarding Schroeder and Schroeder was driving and he gave him enough ground so that I didn't think Schroeder was going to just pull up for a shot. And then when he got closer to the rim, he just blocked the layup. And I really like it when a big can do that. Never got close to fouling him, but was always in control of the possession. Yeah, Allen with a huge wingspan, quick on his feet out on the perimeter. If you think of him, kind of his body type, he's a little similar to like a John Henson in terms of his shot blocking, but he's got better feet than Henson and a little bit more height. And I think he can put more weight on his frame eventually. He's also kind of like John Henson a little bit offensively at this point, though. I think that's what's really going to be the important thing is working on his explosiveness and his hands inside to where he can finish. So he, he is getting more aggressive. He tried to dunk a couple that he just wasn't able to, to put down. Uh, so I, I appreciated that from him. But I think he might already be the best center on the roster. Although I will say that Mozgov has not looked bad. Like he's taken a few threes. He's 
kind of a klutz inside but he'll go after offensive rebounds and then he really the Hawks had a lot of trouble scoring we're allowed to talk bad about teams once it's not their section by the way the Hawks had a lot of trouble scoring over him in the lane Schroeder I think was only one out of seven before he sprained his ankle at the rim and Mozgov had a big part of that you know I don't think he's ever going to live up to that contract but you know he's not like a horrible player like I think he's totally fine as a rotation guy maybe not a starter but as a rotation guy other quick things to mention Damari Carroll has looked a lot better physically which is very very important and D'Angelo Russell is growing into the role he had a couple of beautiful lefty passes to Rondé Hollis Jefferson in this game including I think it was one in transition one in the half court that really stood out yeah that was really nice and Carroll just his activity has been unbelievable in both that magic game and then he had three blocks I'm sorry three steals and two blocks today 17 points got to the foul line 10 times a lot of them just on on hustle plays he he really just looks athletically like he did and you know I was talking with Christian Pelotier on Twitter and you know I'm not sure whether he just feels better you know after having really like a whole off season to train now because remember you know he missed most of that first season then last year he still didn't look great but or whether just being more involved in the offense uh because you know nobody except Lowry and DeRozan and maybe Valanciunas are that in Toronto whatever it is he looks much more comfortable much better defensively getting out and running with this team he looks great and then D'Angelo Russell I think has been about as good as could have been hoped as well so far yeah I would agree with that if we're going to keep on the three minute mark let's move on to the Hornets the Hornets are one and one and their win was a crazy swing game it was against the Hawks they were down 20 I think it was in the first half and then they roared back had a big third quarter one in the fourth and you know it turned into a Dwight Howard revenge game he played 33 minutes which is a lot 20 points 15 rebounds and they're not going to necessarily need that from him every game but they can certainly welcome it especially now with Batum being out for a while yeah, that's true. And I thought Dwight really looked spry in that game, in part because I'm sure he was going against an Atlanta team that dumped him for even worse contracts than he is. And especially just dunks around the rim as well. Atlanta, not a team that has a ton of heft on the interior. So he was able to really go, go to work on the offensive glass, get up for some alley-oops. He had some really nice dunks as well, was getting deep post position I think usually when a player is having a revenge game they'll try and find him a little bit more too that helped but it definitely was a solid start for him and he's not going to have that type of a game every night but I think just the fact that he having had this game early will help him to be more engaged and it's just you know we saw him on that night but you know he didn't look great at times in the preseason so it's going to be I think it's really kind of a day-to-day thing for him on how do his knees feel how does his back feel it certainly looked good on Friday and he played those huge number of minutes in part because Cody Zeller was out but then Frank Kaminsky played a lot as well and they made their big comeback in part uh, when Kaminsky was on the floor in the second half they've also been playing without not only Michael Carter Williams but Michael Kidd Gilchrist so once they get a, a more normal perimeter rotation I think that will also really help them defensively and offensively to put other guys in the right roles yeah I mean but they've been getting enough out of Dwayne Bacon who's been starting they've been getting enough out of Monk I mean it's been Bacon and Lamb starting recently and so to at least you know they they did lose to the Pistons on opening night but to at least like stay afloat here with all those guys out Batum of course uh, on the bench as well you know I think their goal again I think in similar fashion to the Celtics if they can come out of this stretch with Zeller missing time Batum MKG and be around 500 then maybe they can take off when those guys come back and uh, Kemba Walker has continued to sizzle averaging 25 points a game he has made five of his 11 three-point attempts so far on the season and getting to the foul line at a fantastic rate, 12 and a half three-point or 12 and a half free throw attempts per game. 
Let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. They're 0-2, and, and I'll say their biggest positive is that lottery reform does not kick in until 2019. <laughs> we don't have to use all three minutes for, for these teams, by the way. it's just That's just the, the limit. I have liked what I've seen from Larry Markin. Yes, so have I. However, uh, what have you liked about what you've seen from him? Well, I think that he, he looks like the game, and I'm going to say this about a couple of these rookies, it doesn't seem like the game is too fast for him offensively. He's getting to his spots and he's not rushing as much, and his jump shot looks projectable from the NBA line that was something we noted in summer league as well yeah and obviously that was clear in Eurobasket he shoots relatively with no hesitation but when his jumper wasn't falling against the Spurs he impressed some of the local writers by getting to the rim a lot in the second half he's not like you're kind of like Euro wuss you know he's not a great defensive rebounder but he's got good definition i think he can continue to get stronger the way he moves his feet is impressive greg profitch actually had some nice things to say about him he actually held up pretty well in the post against Pau gasol they tried to go to gasol against him in the post and gasol didn't have an amazing game he's only three out of eight in that game so uh, i thought he looked good there looked good moving his feet and then getting to the rim we'll see what happens when the entire league figures out that he goes left every single time off a closeout you know that that's going to be something he's going to have to get better at going to his right but i think that's something where just as as a young player when you're not being scouted every night uh, and you're in college or you know you're in a international setting where the league just doesn't know you as well you're not forced to abandon that but we've seen guys be able to some guys never fix it but other guys are able to like dennis smith for example went left all the time at nc state and now he doesn't do that anymore he, he's really improved that so that's good for the bulls um i think robin lopez has been okay maybe uh he could be a potential trade candidate for them Oh, and I like that they the picked season. up Kay Felder. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned that he looked okay. He's his passing, maybe not quite there yet, but at least you know he's improved his skill level. It seems like he's able, more comfortable going right. Uh, and they desperately need his, his shot creation. That's exactly uh, where I was going to go. For the Bulls, this may not be good for the Bulls, uh, but it's good for Justin Holiday. He got to be the anchor of the starting lineup introductions on Friday. So great for Justin Holiday, NBA champion Justin Holiday. Don't forget it. The Cleveland Cavaliers are two and one, and I, I think you know what really stands out to me about this team is just how great the chemistry is when with lebron and cal corver and jr smith like when you surround lebron with shooters like it's still it, it remains totally unstoppable and you know that's great news for the Cavs, right it was an absolute delight to watch when they went on that big run which was basically kyle corver moving into spots and lebron passing him open because he just throws such hard passes and you're just sitting there going man i i love these moments i wish i could just keep them going for such a long time Corver did change that game though against Milwaukee in all seriousness um but uh, like coming off of screens he definitely caused big problems for the Bucks. and I, I thought Kevin Love especially as the Eastern Conference gets smaller and smaller and as he works at center and as more teams switch against them he can start being even more effective in the post and there are, aren't even that many big wings in the east where if you're going to switch you know a lebron love pick and roll that really can guard him down there he, he still looks like he's in excellent shape as well and uh so that's good to see from love i will say this that uh, this is slightly critical but it always seems like love has this great first quarter and then they never go back to him it's like oh we got to establish this guy as a big guy and then you know he had 11 points was completely unstoppable in that first quarter against milwaukee and then you know he's got 13 points at the half and takes like one shot in the second quarter like he goes out of the game and then they just you know never really seem to go back 
to him but you know i think he's he's poised to have a a pretty big year potentially he is good enough to go back to let's put it that way let's phrase it in the positive the other thing with him is just that lebron is an absolute demon when he when he's on i my favorite play other than the corver stuff so of that milwaukee game was when he was basically just standing there and decided to block Giannis because he was in the right place and his instincts yeah. are just completely ridiculous and lebron consistently reminds you of how special he is yeah i mean that that play and it's funny because guys are always scared around him and he doesn't really jump that often anymore especially during the regular season but even the chance that he could you'll see guys miss a lot of layups when he's around i mean even that play like he's sort of like ah you know i'm like just in chill mode Giannis is gonna go right by me and then he's like oh yeah i could just like get up here and block this thing and so he did just he just rose off the ground so quickly and well he has said that hey you know I, i'm not in the type of cardio shape i want to be in because of the, he missed time with that ankle injury uh and he said it might take him as much as two weeks to get back to where he wants to be that you know he looks still every bit the player you know he hit some threes against milwaukee as well as some big threes to thwart milwaukee's comeback uh so he looks like every bit the player he was last year and when you're a guy in your early 30s who's playing at the level that he still is you know it's good to see him come back and and look like the same guy yet again this season so far the detroit pistons are two and one and i cracked up a little bit because my favorite moment so far from them was in a game they was in the one loss they had against the wizards i really liked what i saw from luke Kennard. he again like i said with marketing doesn't seem like this is too big for him he was able to rely on his jump shooting and the respect that they have for that to take a couple dribbles and get to better looks make some nice passes and i'm not sure what his long-term role is like if he can ever be that guy good enough to be a starter but every single team in the nba needs players that make good decisions with the ball in their hands yeah and he made some tough shots off the dribble as well his floater looks good he can go either direction defensively it's probably always going to be a struggle for him but uh he at least got some minutes in these last two games and has looked reasonably good during that time period i, I liked it as well I, I didn't get to watch that whole game but i saw some of his highlights and, and it was impressive and he's someone who probably has gotten discussed less than any player drafted in the lottery because everyone has been fawning over donovan mitchell so far who by the way has like a 25 percent true shooting after a couple of games but the, the, i think by the way the this idea i think mitchell is going to be a good player but it's more likely he becomes like more of a three and d guy which would still be very valuable than that he's gonna be like this superstar offensive player maybe he could get there but i I think people who are like oh he's gonna be the rookie of the year maybe getting a little ahead of themselves here due to some of his offensive limitations at this point but um let's also talk about tobias harris who just offensively seems to make incremental improvements every year uh especially with his jump shot you know now he really shoots it with no hesitation out there if you remember early in his career when he first got to orlando that was something he didn't really feel comfortable doing and in that 31 point game that he had against the knicks he really had it working from outside he also looks more athletic he had like multiple tip dunks you know he used to be kind of a doughy guy and to see him get that money dunks was pretty solid already on the season he has i think like five or six dunks actually i i was gonna look it up but basketball reference doesn't actually have uh the shooting stuff up yet this year so that's looked really good i think just the opportunistic scoring for him i also just like that stanley johnson has been playing a ton of minutes i know he had just that awful 0 for 12 game and he kind of got beat up by porzingis a little bit early but i just the element that he brings in terms of his versatility i like the fact that they're just giving him a chance now at the departure of marcus morris he's going to be playing plenty of minutes this year uh they actually closed out that game against the knicks with john luer at center 
Stanley or Harris, whoever you want to say it, at the four. And then obviously Jackson and Avery Bradley. You've probably watched more Pistons than I have, but how has Reggie Jackson looked so far? Definitely better than last year. I, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was in the Wizards game where you could just see his movement was, was a little bit less labored. He still is the same player. Like you don't really see that difference. But, but you know, I mean, that was one of the big questions I had for them this year was, was last year really a worst case scenario? Was that kind of who they were? And at least with Reggie, I, I don't have a feel yet for Drummond, but Reggie seems like he's closer to 15-16 than 16-17, at least so far. Yeah, Reggie does have a 23 PER, not shooting it extremely efficiently, but if he can even get back to halfway between what he was two years ago, I think, and what he was last year I think the Pistons should make the playoffs pretty comfortably especially with the Sixers off to kind of a rough start um real quickly if you had to pick anyone among the East teams that we kind of consensus pick to not make the playoffs that you think is most likely to make it now even after this short period who would you say wow that's actually a really tough call well, so so here are some candidates. The Magic are are two and one. The Pacers are are one and two, but have have looked okay. And Miles Turner has missed two of those games. Um, the Nets are two and one, but obviously they lost Lynn. Those are probably the ones you would have to look at. Maybe I I'd uh, probably I'd probably go with potentially the, having played. I probably go with Orlando just because I think their fundamentals are better. You know, we have this idea that they could be better defensively, and their offense. We'll get to them in a little bit. Their offense has been fueled in some surprising and interesting ways that could continue at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they had a massive win at Cleveland on Saturday night without Aaron Gordon or Alfred Payton. Uh, But yeah, you know, not sure how much that is them. Let's get to Indiana now. One and two did beat the Nets on opening night in a game that was the fastest pace that we've seen in the NBA in like 10 years. Um, And some of their power forwards have actually looked okay at times they have i would extend that actually to their young bigs in general because miles turner had a very good game against the nets and then is dealing with a concussion right now but yeah i mean so tj leaf in the portland game so the next game had 17 points in 19 minutes which is very impressive offensively he he seems like a gifted guy i was wondering about his jump shot like you know more for extending it all the way out to three and demo wait not not demo well i guess that could be his nickname too but sabonis had had a, had a nice game in no 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 it can't be his nickname D- demo is because it's d and then mo mari Yunus. i know d- i tried to save it <laughs> nate i tried to save it um but sabonis yeah he, he's I mean, looked... just just admit when you screw up man yeah. i know it's hard for you it is hard for me but uh but uh but i i thought sabonis uh, he's yeah, looked no, he's, he's looked more okay. like a rotation guy than i i expected i mean we uh, that's still not the centerpiece of the paul george trade but if he can provide at least that value it would be very useful for them yeah he had a game where he was seven of seven i think he started in turner's absence uh, against the Blazers, although they ended up losing that one. And uh, Leaf, you mentioned him. He's played, I mean, just, I think even the fact that he's been in the rotation and has been okay, you know, I think we expected him to be out of the rotation. Part of that's because Turner has been out. But in 46 minutes, he's got uh, 22 points. That's totally good for a rookie. Shooting 60% from the field, 50% from three. That's uh, on a very small sample, of course. But I mean, for him to just at least look comfortable offensively uh, is pretty good. Uh, let's get to Miami one and one, a little bit st- snake bit right now Hassan Whiteside injured his knee after having a monster 22 or 25 and 22 game 
Deion Waiters has been talking about his ankle being sore. They've been getting a lot of minutes for Josh Richardson. He's he's played well. Uh, but what have you seen from them? I haven't seen as much as them maybe as you have. Though this was mostly, you know, when Hassan Whiteside, you know, with him playing, they have been dominant in the restricted area. And you look, I kind of look at two different elements of that. One is frequency, just what proportion of their shots are coming at the rim. They're third in the league. 35.2% of their attempts are in the restricted area. That's phenomenal. And they're making a lot of them. They're sixth in field goal percentage, 68.1%. And so that you can do in a couple different ways. You can do it by feeding a guy in the post. You can do it by running in transition for dunks and by getting penetration. And at their best, Miami can do all three of those reasonably well. I also like that they've gone with James Johnson in the starting lineup rather than Olenek. They started that way. I don't think that's their best lineup. Uh, I think that Johnson gives them more of an element, especially in transition and defensively. Now, probably Olenek will start at center as long as Whiteside is out. Doesn't sound like too long of a thing for him, but I think Olenek maybe is a little bit better purely as a backup center, and then maybe he can play at the end of games sometimes if Whiteside is just you know too slow to get out on the perimeter a little bit, although Olenek not necessarily a panacea there either. But James Johnson has played well so far and he's actually blocked eight percent of opponent twos so far which is pretty remarkable for for him so at least in the very early going it doesn't look like I mean, a lot of times you'll see a guy who's about to be a free agent and especially if he's going to be 30 kind of take it easy for three months of the offseason until he gets signed it doesn't look like johnson did that he looks uh pretty close to where he was last year at least subjectively early on uh how about the Giannis out Oh, man. I mean, I feel like the positive there could just... I mean, they've had plenty of other ones, but you could just say the last 30 seconds of their game against the Blazers was just incredible. Giannis stole... Actually, before the last 30 seconds, he stole the ball, leading to the possession. He missed two free throws. Then he stole it from CJ McCollum and got a dunk. Then he blocked Yusuf Nurkic at the rim and basically iced the game. It was just just a, an amazing performance from him in a game where he set his career high with 44 points. And I as you know have been a firm believer in Giannis as a power forward that I think that's the best position for him offensively and defensively I mean you're always going to put your best forward defender on him so it's more a defensive distinction but I love him as a help defender and I think he's been better in those sorts of ways this year so far than he was overall last year and it was interesting to see him guarding LeBron as well in that Cleveland game. I thought he, he provided the best option on him. And he's usually going to be a pretty damn good isolation defender. Uh, tougher for him to get over screens, but if, especially if you're involving him in a pick and roll as the big defender, he can just switch out on, on whoever that is. Give you some stats from him. I mean, he's got to be the early favorite for MVP after you know three games uh 35 usage i mean that's this is one of the big things too is that he's really taking jumpers and yet he's still just creating so many shots not against a murderer's row of defenses so far on the interior to be sure but 71 percent true shooting getting to the foul line for 11 free throw attempts a game and he is 34 of 40 in the restricted area and actually although he's not shooting that many jumpers he's just one of six from three uh he is 47% on non-restricted area twos and again not that many of those are jumpers but he's able to kind of shoot one foot floaters from like four or five feet off the glass and I think just because he's so big he can almost make that kind of shot closer to a layup so his touch around the room I think is really coming along quite well and they've been really difficult to stop to with 
Thon Maker at center because when Thon spaces out, now your big center has got to guard him. And then Giannis, I mean, he's not really just like blowing by guys, but he kind of just works in a position and he's gotten so strong that he can either just up and under guys and step around them or just you'll see guys like Evan Turner, the way he was guarding was like, oh, he can't shoot. I'm just going to back up into the lane. But then you're letting him just accelerate and get ahead of steam and then just go right through you or over you for a layup. So I think actually the way you got to try and defend him is still try to get up into him, make him uncomfortable with his dribble you know don't let him just get started and keep backing up because before you realize it you're just right under the basket and he's just going to score also purely physiologically his dunk on Aaron Baines might be the most impressive dunk I've seen this year because he got like first of all I'm not even sure Aaron Baines knew what was going on but he fouled Giannis and Giannis still got the ball in the basket oh yeah that was fantastic I mean and again you know they've played Portland and Cleveland and the Celtics none of those teams really have much in the way of players protecting the basket so we'll see if he goes up against more size but you know who in the Eastern Conference has any kind of size really at this point that you're going to be worried about you know even a team like the Wizards or the Raptors who could be their competition you would think in the playoffs you know Valanciunas Gortat like those guys aren't scaring you too much at the rim either Let's move on to the New York Knicks. They're 0-2 with losses to OKC and Detroit, but Kristaps Porzingis has dropped more than 30 points in both those games, 31 in the first, 33 in the second, and he's been, you know, he's been reasonably efficient, 61.5 true shooting percentage, which is impressive. Yeah, he has, and the biggest thing for me about him is I always question, can he get enough shots up, right? And we knew that that question would get answered this year because they don't have anyone else who could create, and it's been a big problem for them, obviously. So, the fact that he's been able to have a 30% usage, be efficient so far, even without any other threats around him, has been impressive. He also never turns it over, which is nice as well. That's something that Dirk Nowitzki has in common with him, that Dirk, part of what was so underrated about him was the fact that he just never turned it over. Now, the biggest thing that he's been getting a lot of his points, he's been getting switches, and he's been able to get into the post against, you know, for example, like he put Stanley Johnson in foul trouble by just like shooting right over him he had more trouble in the past with guys who could kind of get underneath him and now I think he's getting comfortable enough where he's not necessarily overpowering those guys but he's able to just turn especially to his right shoulder right over those guys uh, and they just can't really bother his shot and so he's if he can't knock them back at least he's not getting knocked back either uh, he is shooting 55 percent right now uh, from mid-range and that's going to come down to be sure i mean that's where a lot of his efficiency is built but he's also not shooting it great at the rim so maybe that'll end up canceling out i mean and and really for him because you remember even last year when they had carmelo and derrick rose really wasn't much above the league average in terms of his efficiency and so if he can just maintain this sort of a usage jump and be kind of average efficiency i mean he's not gonna maintain this level i don't think that would be very much a step forward in terms of his shot creation because i thought that was something he might struggle with he's been okay so far more than okay absolutely well let's let's hand it over to liam for the two and one orlando magic all right so magic so far they had a close win over the heat and they demolished the Cavs um over the weekend and with a close net to the close loss to the nets too so uh nikola vukovic has got to be the story of the team so far he's uh 76 uh well he's been huge from three with seven to 14 from three-point range uh with majority of those 13 of them coming above the break which is huge for 
transition defense and it's just a little more distance that the big has to cover you know trying to guard that so you know 50 percent he's not going to be able to keep up but if he can be a threat from there it's it's huge for their offensive spacing um otherwise they've had some good contributions from bobby simmons uh he uh he's been huge with uh you, you want to try jonathan, jonathan simmons there, my man. i thought i had screwed it up i remember <laughs> bobby so i do nets, like the yeah. shout out to bobby simmons from the though. nets back in the day yeah I, but yeah no i, I like the shout out to bobby simmons because he was actually in my graduating class in chicago like Corey mcgetty quentin richardson were all in that class too so shout out to uh well so now 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 nate's getting into chicago players that have never even been in the league during the time that dunked on has been on the air i'm very bobby Bobby actually follows me on twitter he's back active he he was a a simian high school graduate and uh has been uh active i think back in the chicago basketball community but uh yeah so jonathan simmons i think is who you're going for there but hey you know this is for a young guy like liam to show the uh at least unintentional breadth of his basketball knowledge is good right right well i don't know about that but uh he's been uh simmons has been really good from three so far five of nine you know small sample size but he's looked really comfortable doing it um a couple off the dribble um and they've been using him as a primary ball handler with the second unit uh over shelvin mack which i thought was surprising and they, they used him at the end of the quarter when they wanted to create a possession he's just been really just really explosive off the dribble you know in pick and roll he showed some you know savvy with his handle uh more than i thought i saw with the spurs so i was i was impressed with that uh he has he's had some nice passes too but uh i haven't always been finished by uh the big man and jonathan isaac has been a big part of their uh well he's he's a big bright spot for the team as far as you know youth talent uh that they're looking to develop and i think he showed some you know some defensive ability some good weak side help a couple of nice shot blocks uh, he's just got a special combination of speed and length uh you know on closeouts he had a couple where you know he really bothered kelly olenic and justice winslow so he does a little bit of everything you know showed a couple passes you know really good on the boards uh not going to be a big score this year 13 percent usage rate but uh some things to look uh look forward to there with his development yeah I, thanks for those notes and i think that the one thing i wanted to react to in particular was what you said about vucevic because for him shooting the three-pointer is obviously huge right he's never been that big of or someone we've been that big of a fan of on the show because he shoots a lot of long twos never ever gets to the foul line wasn't shooting threes so he created shots but he wasn't that efficient but he also even by his standards was horrendous last year just couldn't hit a shot even for what he normally does and so if he actually can be pushing the ball out to three point range now and just even him getting back to the level he'd been at before would have been significant for these guys but if he could even be above there in terms of efficiency that'd be great now he still got killed on defense of course in that brooklyn game but uh, that having him space the floor as well for some of these young guys like Peyton and Gordon, I think would really help. Now you never know too. Like every year, somebody comes back and they're shooting a bunch of threes early. And you're like, oh man, you know, like he's shooting threes now, and you he hits a few early. You never know if it's going to persist necessarily in terms of actually making them. But that would be a significant development uh, for him. Um, what else you got here, Liam? So another well, Danny mentioned that they're they're up in pace uh, up to one hundred six in possessions uh, from last year. They were ninety and they you, you can tell when you're watching them they played against some you know high pace well they played against Brooklyn Brooklyn runs against everybody so you kind of have to play that way but they really made a concerted effort to run and they, they've got good personnel for it like Fournier gets out there Ross Gordon when he's healthy Alfred Payton so Vucevic not so much but they, they've got some athletes that like to get up and down when you throw Simmons in there too um and just on both lineups they have you know a lot of space and they've been playing Azonia at the four where he hasn't exactly played great but at least teams will 
respect him at the three-point line. So you get a little more spacing with those pick and rolls with uh, Biombo down the middle. So they've got, you know, there's a lot to work with offensively. There's a lot of reasons to be positive. Obviously, they're not going to keep up the shooting that they've had so far, but, you know, some stuff to build off of, whereas, you know, last year was a was a real struggle. Yeah, a couple of notes that you had. Them shooting 29% from three by opponents, that's something that's not going to continue, although they did play the Cavs. I was trying to keep it positive. So, and the Cavs now can't make a three all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, so I think that's what we're going to have to do is just like find a way to like <laughs> shit on these teams in the bad way <laughs> when it's not their section. But uh, And then you also mentioned, which I think is maybe more indicative, is they're only allowing 25% of opponent shots from three which is good uh and you know although cleveland's not taking as many threes this year brooklyn likes to get them up and and so did miami last year so that's actually i think a a good thing for them um all right why don't we move on to the 76ers who are uh at zero and three but first this from wink when you have a great moment such as when liam said bobby simmons instead of jonathan simmons and i got to flash back to my youth as a extremely mediocre chicago high school player in the class of 1998 and i wasn't even in chicago i was in the first suburb west of the city but nonetheless it was still a great moment for me a great glass of wine only enhances that moment wink understands this and offers exceptional wines from around the world to give you more of those moments the way to get started with them is try wink t-r-y-w-i-n-c.com you could take their palette profile quiz i took it and it really helped them to send me wines that i enjoyed i had never been a huge wine drinker i still wouldn't say i'm a huge wine drinker but I'm enjoying it more now with Wink because they base the wines they send on my taste preferences. This palette profile is not something I'd really been exposed to before. They asked a bunch of questions whether I like citrus, which I really do, whether I like earthy flavors, not as much red or white wines kind of like white a little more in the summer red a little bit more now and a few other questions as well and so they're able to give me some wines that i really enjoy they can even introduce you to rare new and custom wines that are not available anywhere else and they tell you the story behind each one they have a lot of vertical integration so they have access to wines that no one else does so here's how it works you can join for free you can skip any month they'll tell you which wines they are sending in advance and you can cancel anytime they have a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee so you never pay for a bottle that you don't like it that's really a fantastic deal if they send you something you try it and you don't like it they'll send you something else and of course it would not be a dunked on ad if you didn't get a special deal wink is offering listeners 20 dollars off your first order when you go to trywink.com slash cap space t-r-y-w-i-n-c.com slash cap space they'll even cover the cost of shipping that's trywink t-r-y-w-i-n-c.com slash cap space they'll get you 20 dollars off your first order and complimentary shipping trywink.com slash cap space all right, Danny, what we got here for the Sixers? They are 0-3, though we should note that all three of those losses were to teams that we expect to make the playoffs. So, And, and the, the loss of the Wizards was clearly, to me, the best of those three. They were in it until the very end. And the most impressive part of it to me has been Ben Simmons overall, but especially he has surprised me more on defense because at LSU, there were these big questions about whether, because he basically just didn't care. And so it was, how is that going to, how is it going to transfer and everything else? And he has been more assertive than I had expected. And he has also shown better instincts because he's just a smart basketball player. It's not surprising. You see some of the same stuff from Lonzo periodically. And I like that you can 
see they don't need him to be gangbusters there they have Robert Covington for that they have Joel Embiid for that but if he can competently defend in his circumstances and make some of those you know instinct steals and defensive rebounds they'll be fine I've liked what I've seen from him offensively as well hasn't been incredibly efficient so far only 46 percent true shooting but what I've liked is the 25 percent usage there was a concern that oh maybe he's gonna be just like a 610 rondo and I think he's been aggressive enough that he's been quite beyond that he is taking pretty much every single one of his shots within 10 feet of the basket actually did hit a couple of lefty like pure jump shots around the foul line in that game where they got blown out against the raptors on saturday night has not been shooting a great percentage on the on floaters that i think will come up only 21 percent and the defense definitely can kind of back off and shoot, make him shoot not that great of a percentage at the room he's 57 percent there but when you consider uh, he's a perimeter player essentially who has no jump shot at all getting to that type of usage is pretty impressive and i think he's looked good getting the ball in the post look good finding ways to create and of course in transition he's been outstanding and then i guess the only other good thing is you can say at least that loss against the raptors uh was without joel Embiid, and they've defended well with joel on the floor to date they have and and Jaleel played a little bit in that game and I thought he was fine so that that was always it's, it's nice to see that and while this isn't really a positive or a negative at some point we'll talk about rookie option decisions and that is one of the most compelling ones if not the most compelling one in the entire league yeah actually maybe we should do that for tomorrow's episode um Okay. Toronto Raptors, 2-0, and two massive blowout wins. They have the best net rating in the NBA right now. Jamar DeRozan had a ridiculous game with 30 points on 12 shots against the Sixers. But the biggest thing that you pointed out here is that uh, OG Ananubi looks great. He does. And the biggest reason he fell in the draft was not his ability. It was not his athleticism. It was not his fit in the NBA. It was apparently that people were worried about his injuries. And guess what? He's playing at the beginning of his rookie season and he's looking good. I think that he has a nice head on his shoulders and wings of his size are incredibly valuable in the league. The other big positive I wanted to mention for the Raptors, and this is not a surprise, but they are getting to the line at an astonishing rate. They've only played two games but their free throw attempt rate is 36 percent which is just dwarfing the rest of the league they have a lot of guys who are good at that and i don't it, it can't stay that high but they can still be up towards the front of the league and that gives them an offensive foundation at least in the regular season even if they don't make all the threes that they've been attempting so far which has also been encouraging yeah i think you're right about that um we'll see like kyle lowry hasn't had to do that much yet this season we'll see whether he's started to regress or not but too early to say they're at his age uh, back to Ananubi I wonder if like they had just been totally transparent about what his injury was from the beginning that things he might not have fallen as far because there's always this mystery around exactly what his knee injury was and maybe they you know teams were told that directly but even I think having that stuff publicly it was just like okay it's just an ACL you know timeline is he'll be back by the start of next season you know you never heard that kind of stuff right it was just he suffered a serious knee injury that's all that was ever said and even yeah you can tell teams that but public information is important because you never really know what could be affecting the anchoring of team decision makers right like even if it's just okay you know the major draft sites know what this is and that he'll be back that might change whether he's going to go in a mock draft right and so i think it was 
always kind of ridiculous that he fell to 24 if there was and presumably by the time of the draft they would have known that he was on track to come back at the start of the season uh and and like that just wasn't out there at all and maybe they didn't want to put pressure on him or whatever but whatever this injury was people were like oh man this must be really bad they're not even saying what it is i think it's better to just be transparent in those circumstances let's move on to the washington wizards they are also undefeated at 2-0 and you could go in a couple directions and i know there's one that you want to talk about but my favorite thing that has happened with them so far was at the end of the game against the pistons john wall had an absolutely amazing block i believe it was on reggie jackson that really did key and solidify their victory yeah that was fantastic i mean wall has had a bunch of blocks already he's he's got four so far on the season and that was not my favorite moment though because when he completely destroyed tlc on the dunk would be my favorite but uh during the twitter nba show that was definitely one of probably our top five twitter nba show reactions so far uh, in the history of the show when he did that uh but I, i think also we can talk about otto porter he is just continuing to find more ways to score uh and it's not even necessarily i don't know that that's going to continue necessarily but he has a 24.6 pr he's got his usage up a little bit under 20 percent but it's still really the same opportunistic stuff that it's always been transition spot ups cuts that's over 60 percent of his offense stuff that's basically directly set up by others but he's still going to be really efficient and as long as he's doing that and can get his usage up around 20 percent that'll really provide some needed scoring for this team they also have been starting now these last couple of games kelly Oubre. i think they've looked much better there especially defensively i think he will help them have some additional versatility they started jason smith and smith now has a shoulder injury he only played the first seven minutes of their opener we talked about how he struggled a little bit guarding robert covington and i don't know if he never came back in due to that shoulder injury or whether just because he wasn't effective but i do think that playing Ubre to start is better it's just a question of whether they can get enough off the bench they even had mike scott in the game as a defensive replacement to try and switch at the end of that detroit game don't know if that's something you necessarily want to rely on all the time but it seems like they're getting enough from their bench to not just get totally worked and they've won these two games although you know kind of i mean if you had to say hey what are expectations for this team they're maybe a little bit below that just with two extremely close wins against philly and detroit who are teams at home who are supposed to be kind of below them in the eastern conference hierarchy yeah i'd say that's fair but it looks like a line drive in the box score when you when you win it as long as they can react to it so before we get to the west i want to ask you the same question of the teams that you projected to be out of the playoffs which do you feel had the best chance of breaking into that in the west right now well it was a, a, a real challenge at the bottom of the west for me you know figuring out who got that last spot and assuming memory serves and i think it does i had portland out portland is certainly good enough to make it in they're two and one right now and memphis has looked good i don't know how much of that i think is going to carry out but yeah i could absolutely see both of them or new orleans just going in it was just a matter of kind of balancing out the bottom half of it of just who is better than who as opposed to the east where it's basically who survives yeah, I had Portland and Memphis as seven and eight, and then the Clippers and Utah as nine and ten, but all of them between forty three and forty one wins. I think I would probably stick with that same thing i think but you know the clippers obviously looked awesome but they played two probably the two worst teams in the west and you know maybe sacramento can get in there too but and also 
the Teodosic injury as well now has happened. I mean, that was one of the big reasons I was down on them. Wasn't and they, they, it's nice that they had two nice blowout victories to begin with. We'll see what happens when they play a real team. But also, we expected them to be solid at full strength. Blake looks better, maybe than it could have been expected. But again, there's two teams that have absolutely no one to guard him. So. And Portland and Memphis both look awesome. So I think I probably would stick with what I had so far. Maybe what I would say even is that Denver might be back in that scrum with them instead of, you know, I had them at 47 wins. So we'll see. I mean, it's obviously two games, three games for all these teams. It's completely early jumping to conclusions. Uh, But yeah, and then Utah, I think the reason that I, they've played really well too, it's just this latest Rodney Hood injury again. You know, how many of these injuries can they sustain? They seem to be hurt all the time too. Great. So now we get to start with the positive on the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks are 0-3, and three, including a loss to Sacramento, which is, you know, we could talk about that. But the bright spot in the game he played is certainly Dennis Smith. He looked good, and I there's a reason why you and I were super excited about him, and all of that is still true when he could be on the floor. Yeah, he started the season, actually, with a back screen for an alley-oop dunk, had another nice dunk where he just was under the rim, flat-footed, went up and dunked it. But then he came down... In kind of ugly fashion, he's missed the last two games with knee effusion, i.e. swelling to us lay people. May return on Monday, it's not sure yet, so it doesn't sound too serious. But just to have that kind of a debut is certainly solid. And I think the Hawks' defense actually isn't that bad, at least with some of their main units. Their bench is, is a little uglier. I think where you can take some hope is that the players who have underperformed so far are really their three biggest vets, Matthews, Barnes, and Dirk, all shooting just really poorly right now. And so you can take heart from that, that those guys are probably going to get better and that they'll do a little bit. They're also playing extremely slowly. Again, I mean, that Sacramento game was one of the slower games. And I think, especially with Smith out, these guys not shooting that well you're going to have to slow it down and kind of play a little bit more bully ball, iso ball, more than Carlisle might like to. Nerlens, I think, has been solid, at least from a statistical standpoint. 26 PR, over 80% true shooting. Not a high usage necessarily yet, but at least has been finishing around the rim. It was interesting, actually, that he was playing well and then Dirk didn't close that game but neither did Nerlens actually closed it with Dwight Powell because he had hit a couple of threes and Carlisle was like oh well you know Dwight Powell seemed like he really had it going which was a little weird but uh that was their first game against the Hawks on on Wednesday so I I think they'll be better if they can get healthy and remember they're still missing Seth Curry as well who's another key piece of their offense so I think there's you know it's been a rough start for them 36 wins might not happen that was my prediction for them but it'll get better for them than it has been so far just as people get healthy once other thing i want to mention just because when i was putting together league pass games of the week i noticed this they have a uh, a home and home back to back with the grizzlies and while i don't love those broadly throughout the league i do kind of like them with division teams because four games against an opponent is kind of a lot and so that way at least if the teams are going through a back to back they have exactly the same travel yeah it is tough though i mean it's a little different in baseball because in basketball like one player means so much where if you play two games against a team so soon it can just skew the sample a little bit so and i know you've railed against that before that is completely true i forgot why i used to hate that and that's exactly why i (laughs) I retract my support denver nuggets are one and one the good news here their defense looks a lot better 
It does. And sample size is almost definitely a part of this. But the big question kind of with Paul Millsap was, can they improve their defense while keeping their offense afloat? They went from 30th last year in opponent opponent effective field goal percentage. Right now they're fifth. Even if they don't stay fifth, if they can be anywhere near the top half, that is a huge improvement for them and will make life so much easier in every other capacity. Yeah. Now worth noting that the two teams that they've played so far, Utah and Sacramento, are i'm sorry yeah utah and sacramento is who they've played are probably going to finish pretty low in terms of defense but they couldn't even stop bad or pretty low in terms of offense they couldn't even stop bad offensive teams last year so you have to imagine that Millsap is helping a little bit you can also say it's nice that they're one and one when nikola Jokic has a 4.2 per and is shooting like 26 percent from the field and jamal murray has a negative 0.4 per and they've also been getting a lot of production from will barton so far to the point where they actually have been going with will barton and gary harris together in a lot of lineups both those guys shooting the three ball pretty well the flexibility that you get by having Jokic who can have the ball in his hands and do positive things is that you can go with some of those lineups as long as you can get the defensive matchups right and then the other small piece is that Utah Denver and the Spurs are the only three teams that are above league average in all four defensive four factors which I just think is cool yeah they also actually they never forced any turnovers last year and they're doing a little bit better in that regard, I think Millsap is helping there. We'll see again. I mean, those are when you go up against offensively challenged teams, they're going to have to force plays and, and they're going to turn it over more. But hey, I mean, this is probably how many two game samples did they have last year that were even like this good? So, um, so the Golden State Warriors are one and two. I'd say that the silver lining there is that they still have Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. I was going to say that that it's an 82-game season. They'll be fine. And, I mean, as long as Steph Curry doesn't have two out of every three games where he gets in serious foul trouble, I think they'll be fine. And they, you know, the the talent is still here. And one guy that has stood out in a positive way beyond all their good players, their, like, well-known players, is I've been impressed in limited time with Jordan Bell. Yeah, Jordan Bell might already be the best center on this team. Might. You know, he doesn't know the system that well. You can't necessarily throw it into the post. I mean, he's not as good of a screener as guys like Zaza. You know, David West might still be the best center on this team, but especially, and, and Kerr's never going to just not play guys. He's going to play 8 billion centers. Jordan Bell's not going to get that many minutes. He's not going to start by the end of the year or anything like that. Maybe if they like start to struggle in a playoff series, you to play more, but just defensively, I've been extremely impressed. I know he had those struggles early on in his first stint against Houston, but just he comes out of nowhere for blocks. He's smart. He can finish around the rim he's got pretty good switchability against all but the best players I really liked what we've seen from him. he'll get, try and work on the offensive glass a little bit as well but a little more on them Danny's you watched their last two games I only saw the opener can you say why their defense has struggled so much I mean I know we're supposed to be saying good things here but we say enough good things about the where I think their their fans are not going to be mad at us for not being positive enough so can you explain just like what you've seen from their defense and, and what the issue has been effort and execution are the two biggest parts of it I mean they've just been slow on their rotations and the Warriors are usually so good about attacking those sorts of things and they've also so there have been more messes to clean up and they haven't been as good at doing it so I think those are both important parts of the whole and you know they, they've also been dealing with you know like Steph's foul trouble and I, I'm I'm interested to see really where Kerr goes with the second units because I think they're get they're kind of getting into a trap that they avoided last year by switching it which was all these guys that can't shoot together I mean they have right now they have Draymond out of that lineup which is also interesting but it's basically Livingston a shooting guard to be named later Durant Iguodala and 
and then usually David West. And so, you know, there's there's not a lot of three-point shooting in those lineups, depending on who they use as the fifth guy. And that group can defend, but that's the only way that they can be really reliably successful. Houston is 3-0. and Chris Paul could miss as much as two to four weeks with that knee issue that he aggravated in the opener against Golden State has not played since then. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me, though, is just like how they look physically other than Paul James Harden in particular being in great shape we talked about that a lot in the opener so we don't necessarily have to rehash that Uh, I think the other thing though is just like what PJ Tucker has been able to do for this team so far I've really enjoyed PJ Tucker and where I was going to go with that along the lines of PJ Tucker is that the moves they made in the offseason beyond even Chris Paul this team makes sense you know the players I can see the the theory of this team the fact that they're about nine deep and all those niner players that D'Antoni should trust in the playoffs is exceedingly important and you know pj tucker he has not you know his other games haven't been the offensive explosion as we expected you know the 20 points against golden state was an aberration but you know two of three from three against san Antonio against sacramento playing good defense you're good with that yeah it's like i think it's really critical just that he gets up enough shots and same thing with mba mute harden 37 percent usage by the way and i assume his usage will be as high as ever with chris paul out we've noted that chris, uh, eric gordon has looked solid in the early going although neither he nor Ariza has really gotten it going from three yet uh, Tucker is shooting well but re- and so is Harden but really everyone else on this team not hitting Ryan Anderson 32 percent Gordon and Ariza both at 20 percent so I think they have another level to get to even offensively even without uh, Chris Paul in the lineup but like you said I, I agree that this team makes more sense especially if you're just going to try to find a way to stop the best teams in the league and well I won't say that they're more important than Chris Paul certainly during the regular season once he returns and Bob Mute and Tucker might end up being as important as him in the playoffs when you consider some of the players that might be replaced in their closing lineup uh let's move on here who's next the Clippers had two absolutely dominant wins. We talked a little bit about them a few minutes ago, and their defense has looked great. That might tone down when they play teams other than the Lakers and the Suns, but we're staying positive. And I mean, Patrick Beverly, I think where we, where you start with this was just the way he hounded Lonzo Ball was, I'm not somebody who roots against anyone, especially not Lonzo, but you like seeing somebody get that welcome to the NBA moment because there is not a player like Patrick Beverly in college basketball or in the LA high school basketball and AAU scene. Well, and especially it's funny in the NBA. I actually would push back on that a little bit. I think like summer league, college, you see more guys, I mean, they're not quite as good at it as Beverly, but who really try to like get up into you and pressure the ball a lot. More coaches have those kinds of systems. Guys just on a game to game effort. I want to say that they play harder, but it's just, it's not possible to play big minutes in an NBA game and put on that type of pressure for most people, you know, the way you can in a college game when there's a slower pace and the shot clock and a billion stoppages. So and in summer league when guys are just like fighting for their lives and not playing that many minutes but i i do really enjoy that like and what i've also enjoyed about this clippers team is just what blake griffin has been doing again he's only played two games but he had 29 points in three quarters against the lakers the other night he really just i noted in the opener like oh man he or i'm sorry that was against the suns the 29 points in three quarters in the opener he like went for a layup and then we noted how he just dunked all over julius randall i think the biggest thing even more so than that 
that and that will make up for the fact potentially that he's not the athlete that he used to be is the way he's hitting the three-pointer and the way he's taking him too taking him is in it's not as important as making them but it is incredibly important as well yeah in he's taking them like in pick and pops it's not just like a pure spot up type of situation and i think as a pure spot up it would have been more useful last year when he was playing more around and in previous years he's playing more on chris paul pick and rolls with deandre jordan now though he's usually going to be more involved in the primary action but it's tough for him to roll to the basket because dj is still down there if he can pop now and he's just he's shooting a little bit more on the way up he's never going to be totally gone totally rid of that hitch it's funny actually we were talking on the on our g chat thread one of the first things that i ever wrote about the nba a little more than five years ago was that Blake Griffin people are always like oh Blake Griffin whenever he develops a jumper and so I looked at it and I basically concluded that any player who any big who shoots so poorly from the free throw line is never going to develop a good jumper right like you either if you don't improve your free throw shooting you don't also improve your jump shooting like there are guys like Carl Malone and Chris Weber who were terrible free throw shooters their first year but then got better and became decent jump shooters for bigs maybe those are guys who would have taken more three-pointers in this day and age uh, and so Blake, you remember when he came out of school was, you know, one of pretty close to one of these like hacka guys, you know, he was shooting in the low fifties and then he got up into the sixties the year after that. And he's basically been over 70% every season since then. So really while Blake is this guy who like, oh, he seems like a crybaby and people don't like the Clippers and blah, blah, blah. He deserves a ton of credit as a guy who had really no natural shooting talent for where he's been able to get his jump shot to be. I really feel like that's a natural transition to the Lakers and Lonzo Ball. <laughs> I mean, Lonzo is a very different jump shot. His is just mechanically horrifying. It's a much better shot than, than Blake's was early in his career. But where I want to go with Lonzo Ball is that the court vision and passing is for real. It just is. And he had the look aheads that he has, the outlet passes that are in his arsenal already are exceedingly rare and will lead to positive things, especially as the Lakers can get players and fill put in lineups around him that make sense with what he he does well yeah he had a nice bounce back game triple double 29 points against the phoenix suns as they put up a buck 32 on a uh one not Nate, it was defense, it, we it was one assist short of a triple double so it was a terrible game all oh, right yeah i'm sorry no no it's only it's only a terrible game if you're one rebound short of a triple double in your guard uh but and, and he had a lot of encouraging things i think he shot four out of nine on three pointers in that game hit a couple of shots coming off screens still wasn't that efficient shooting the ball but he got up a lot of shots there was this idea that he couldn't be a scorer he's looked not he doesn't look great but he's looked more comfortable in mid-range uh, than he had before he had one play where he even like went right through Tyson Chandler who uh, has looked like quite the husk so far this season but still you're going through a seven footer for a layup that's impressive but he had maybe my favorite play of the season so far that wasn't just like an awesome dunk so a lot of times now uh, they were just killing Phoenix in pick and roll it was some of the worst pick and roll defense I've ever seen uh, Brooke Lopez was really causing problems with his shooting and so that's how Lonzo was getting all these buckets was so he was just getting like right to the middle of the lane the big was sticking at Brooke Lopez at the three-point line and then there was just nobody helping even though they had like Corey Brewer on the floor and so they come out of a timeout Oh Watson switches up the pick and roll defense and they switch and so they put Chandler on Lonzo out top and pretty much any guard in the league would be like oh shit I got a center on me I'm gonna take this dude I'm gonna dance around dribble for the next 15 seconds and you know try and beat the guy and either beat him or not Lonzo realized that what they did on the backside was because Lopez was rolling to the rim they had whoever was guarding Brandon Ingram but a bigger guy than whoever the point guard was switch onto Lopez who's rolling to get some more size on him on that switch matchup you'll see teams do that all the time the Warriors were the ones who kind of pioneered 
pioneered that. And so Lonzo, he's at the top of the key. Brandon Ingram's in the left corner. Lonzo sees them doing that switch behind the play and then just dimes up Brandon Ingram immediately for a wide open corner three. Like it was, I've never seen anybody take advantage of that switch on that play before the way he did. It's just a play that you don't see that type of recognition from i mean you they didn't he didn't see that kind of defense in college you know just to instinctively say hey they're switching behind the play and not just be so focused on like oh i got tyson chandler on me was really remarkable of course ingram missed the three he did have a nice game in that game but uh, that one play I, I hope i described it well but it was just that's an example of the type of stuff that he can do whether he uh, all the other stuff is going to come around well enough to make him really like a superstar player or a star it, it's too early to say yet but that's the type of talent that you were talking about when we first uh, mentioned the Lakers today also mentioned that I enjoyed some good minutes from Josh Hart today they they had to experiment with some good lineups they came back on the Pelicans ended up losing but I, I like that they've they've tried some stuff out we'll see where they go with Kyle Kuzma and now that they have KCP back so wins and losses aren't necessarily the most important part of their season it's how these young guys develop and we're gonna have to just keep watching yeah and Kyle Kuzma had another nice offensive game as well he was in the closing lineup Julius Randle finally broke out a little bit as they came back from a 20-point deficit and then weren't able to seal the deal late. Let's get to Memphis now. I think the big takeaway from them, 2-0, and but two nice wins at home against the Pels, and then they really blew out the Warriors. It's just that uh, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley look just as good as ever, and if that's the case, these guys, even with all their competition, I think are going to be a playoff team because those two guys are really just that good. They are, and Conley was an important part of, of the Grizzlies' success, even though in the game against the Warriors, he didn't shoot too well from the field. He was able to penetrate. He was able to draw a bunch of fouls, too, and Gasol was awesome. 34 points, 14 rebounds, and just destructive out there. But where I've been very impressed with Memphis, beyond just their general competitiveness, and that's been over, it's not been overblown, but it's been it's been talked about a lot because of grit and grind and everything like that. But the way that they dealt with Jermichael Green's injury, you know, that's a pr- that's a pretty big setback in the first game. Not the easiest guy for them to replace with the way their roster shakes out, yeah, especially against Golden State too. A guy, right, a switch guy like that, you really need him. Exactly, and so. So they were able to get contributions from all over. Dylan Brooks was huge in their first game against the Pels. And another big part of this is Chandler Parsons was one of the worst players in the league last year. And he probably won't be, at least in the near term, the guy they signed or intended intended to have when they signed. Yeah. But but if he can be a reliable rotation player for them who can create a little bit and hit some catch and shoot shots, great. That is an exceedingly valuable thing for them. Mark Gasol also just completely tore up the Warriors to the tune of 34 points on Saturday. It's just a really impressive game for him. And they were able to get Steph Curry in foul trouble. And they've been able to get by with Aaron Harrison playing at the two so far as well. And they just, they have enough quality depth. That, and it just seems like when they bring these guys in, like Jarrell Martin, you know, it somehow just doesn't seem to kill them the way it kills these other teams when you bring in guys who who maybe aren't as good individually. Let's get to Minnesota, two and one after a game we'll probably still be talking about all year. Uh, you want to just like talk about that game a little bit? It was exciting it went in a lot of different directions 
And some a couple of different things that really stood out. One, this is on more on the Oklahoma City side, but we're talking about the game. Russell Westbrook, just the way that the way that that whole worked. Actually, I'll save that for then. But Andrew Wiggins is just such a fascinating player because of the positives he brings and sometimes the negatives. And he got both of those in the final few minutes. Had this spectacular spin move that led to a basket, then took a bad shot, and then I think he had it. And then he had a tip dunk or a tip 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 in. Yeah, and then he he hits a banked game winner because that's just the way things work now <laughs> yeah uh okc if you have the other team coming at you and it's tied in the last 10 seconds of a classic game just don't let the guy shoot from 38 feet <laughs> just, just let him get a dunk because you know that 38 footer apparently is going to go in even even if you have to bank it in um yeah tibbs after the game actually said he liked wiggins activity that tip tip in late was pretty good he did that right to left spin move that he used to do every single time as a rookie so it didn't work very often but now he busted out a le- less often and then that play you mentioned too where they were really were going to him more late uh, but he like waved everyone out of the way so he could go at russell westbrook and then just took like a terrible turn i don't think like him going at westbrook one-on-one is really a great matchup um carl Towns ha- had a nice game as well he has done a good job because they haven't been running a ton of like post-ups for him really and i don't think they're gonna work with the shooting that they have on the floor necessarily but he's just been finding ways and this is something that Jim Peterson was talking about on the broadcast to just get on the offensive glass, come off screens, hit a pick and pop three, you know, get a cut along the baseline or, or off a drive, get out in transition. Like he's found ways to score and be efficient still. Had, had a season high, I think he was in the high 20s in points on this one. I would like to see them go to him more. Uh, although they do, they do run an ATO for him a lot that really just kills opposing centers where they just set a baseline screen for him to come out to the right corner and shoot a three and just like no center can deal with that like the teams probably will end up scouting that and just switching it but like steven adams is not going to get through a screen to guard carl anthony towns in the corner um and and it's also impressive though that towns because he doesn't really shoot a jump shot he shoots a set shot it's kind of harder to shoot that coming off screens that he actually has the footwork to do that um i do think they're gonna have to find a way to deal with other teams not guarding taj gibson like carmelo anthony just didn't guard taj gibson but the thing is with this minnesota team I think we're going to see this as well. And they also have played against three really good defensive teams. They played against the Spurs and the Jazz. And then this Oklahoma City team has a lot of defensive talent. I don't know if they're a great defensive team yet and they still have been able to score okay i think they're 13th in offense despite playing those teams and so i think it's always going to look ugly for these guys like there's going to be a lot of double teams there's going to be guys not getting guarded they're going to take tough shots they're probably going to have some turnovers but i think at the end of the day they just have so much talent that they're going to score efficiently anyway they'll get on the offensive glass they'll get out in transition they're going to just score on guys anyway you know even if they're closely guarded so like throughout most of the first half in particular i'm like man like oklahoma city is like kicking these guys ass they're getting way better shots and then you look down and minnesota had a five-point lead at the end of the first half two other things i wanted to mention the play that towns scored on in the last minute was a type of play that basically no other center can do where he did a pump fake a drive and then a basically a floater was just filth he's he's his touch is unbelievable and then the other one is before the game on sunday they were tibbs was more willing to go to those lineups with jimmy butler at power forward some of that was you know you dance with the ones who, who brought you and they had that comeback against the Spurs when they didn't have Taj Gibson in but his willingness to go to those lineups is still a welcome change yeah and Jamal Crawford has been solid for them too he beat the Jazz with a ridiculous three-pointer off a baseline out of bounds just going into the corner and shooting like
like a fadeaway three over i think it was tabo cephalosha that put them up three with 25 seconds left so that was pretty good play and i think like their bench play has been reasonably decent so far that was a concern going in let's get to new orleans now i think what i've liked is that the concerns to me about ad and cousins playing together offensively they've started to quell those concerns for me both those guys are getting plenty of shots uh, in the game before this one i think it was against the warriors both of them had 35 points 14 rebounds and five assists in the same game and both of those guys usage rates are, are through the roof in this game against the lakers cousins didn't score quite as well but in the i think they could both potentially average 25 a game which is pretty impressive and it really is more about the guys around them because they've been using them in creative ways they've been get, letting them work off the dribble screen for each other they'll start guys in the corner like they're running like wide pin downs for ad coming out of the corner at times like they're really running a pretty similar offense to what you would run if you were just playing more with like a stretch four or even a a combo forward at the four but just having those guys be in those positions and their skill level is so high and they can both shoot out there too so they have to be guarded that i think they really have been able to find ways for those guys to attack extremely well DeMarcus Cousins has also looked more engaged on defense to me. You could think back to the five blocks in the first quarter of the game against Memphis, but just overall, he's been more engaged in that end. And they also got a big closing kick in their game against the Lakers on Sunday from Etwan Moore. Moore hit a couple of just absolutely massive shots, including a three with Lonzo right on him. And then he had a, a mid-range shot, which was also important in terms of securing the lead because they had this big they had this big lead, then blew it, and then then went back out on the Lakers. And yeah, beating the Lakers isn't isn't any great shakes, but I like the certain parts of the way that they did that i'm also pleased too that they're able to get jameer nelson i think nelson would have had other opportunities where he could have gotten more playing time but he signed and immediately they didn't even have like a uniform with his number on it they the press release said he will wear number one in his first game and then 14 in all future games so maybe they just like didn't have an extra four available so they just had to put one on his jersey for this game but he was playing in crunch time he had a big three uh, in the face of Kyle Kuzma off a switch that really helped ice it in this one they closed out with Nelson Drew Holiday more at the three as the Lakers didn't really have anyone who was bothering them at the three who, who had a lot of size and then and the Lakers actually were playing with three guards as well and then obviously Cousins and Davis so I mean that lineup if they want to go to that a lot I think that's a lineup that really has enough shooting where as long as there isn't a big three on the other team that's really going to kill them then they may be getting a little more trouble if they have to go to like a Darius Miller or Dante Cunningham that things uh offensively they could be pretty difficult to stop and it is going to be a little awkward and I'm surprised that Nelson signed there given the fact that Rondo is going to come back at some point and maybe they're just going to play Drew exclusively at the two and then Nelson will just be the backup point guard but I think Nelson is better than Rondo uh, maybe in the playoffs Rondo would be better but you know I don't see them making the playoffs but you know at least they got this win against the Lakers they needed that one pretty badly uh I'm just you know this still seems like a snake bit franchise oh wait sorry we're trying to be positive uh all right the, let's bring a mongoose out or something along the possibly positive lines who who would you rather have for this season Jameer Nelson Rajon Rondo or Tim Frazier uh I'd say Nelson would probably be the number one just because especially on this team just because he's still an excellent spot up shooter and the other two guys aren't and so they really like Rondo you know he needs a ton of shooting around him and a team that doesn't really have much passing maybe he can help on right so but they have I mean especially the way they're playing and I credit Elvin Gentry for his creativity we haven't seen that much of that the first couple of years but he's been able to get to that here 
And also, I think a big part of that has been getting Chris Finch from the Nuggets. You know, I'm not sure how much of that these new offensive ideas are his ideas, but you know, the Nuggets looked uh, great with him last year. Haven't looked as great so far, frankly, offensively this year. And now the Pelicans, uh, I've liked the creativity that they've shown. But yeah, just having that spacing from Nelson, I think he's a much better fit on this team, certainly offensively. And then you know, I don't think like either he or Rondo is any good defensively anymore. Pelicans Blazers on Tuesday is going to be a very interesting game just to see how these two teams handle each other. Let's get to the Thunder, who now are perhaps a surprising one and two. Nice win against the Knicks although it took them a little bit of a while to break that one open. I, I guess it was kind of a blow up by halftime. And then lost at the Jazz on Saturday, kind of an earlier day back-to-back uh, on Sunday against the Wolves, but who were also coming off of a back-to-back and, and had maybe a little longer flight. So actually, no, it's probably about the same. We don't need to get into geography too much here, but this is a long podcast. Sometimes it happens. I think, though, you know, I'm not like that worried about them necessarily. And I think you know those four guys Paul George has not shot it well yet but the one thing I have liked about them since we're being positive is I think they're finally getting a few system buckets here and there like and a lot of them come off of the wide pin down a wide pin down is instead of starting a guy at the block and having him pop out is more of a floppy look which they run plenty of too for Paul George he's one of the hardest to deal with on that play they start the guy in the corner and set a screen for him to come up to the wing um but especially when they know that guys are going to switch Paul George actually has had a couple of nice cuts and I thought Russell Westbrook's passing in this game was actually very impressive especially finding Steven Adams on the roll. he had a huge first half and then Russ we still saw like clutch Russ from last year down the end even though it ended up not being enough two big things for me from them so far that are well you alluded to both of them but one is I have heartily enjoyed Stephen Adams so far this year there's all these questions about you know so many mouths to feed Stephen Adams just he does his own thing he fights defensively fights on the offensive glass gets buckets when he has the opportunity fits in really well with a lot of those ideas and they still need to figure out what they want to do a backup center but at least they have their starting center and in this game I thought it was a very telling moment that we saw clutch Russ we saw him make some absolute absolutely insane threes terrible shots but he made those and then on the last possession of the game they're down by two points he is driving has a little bit of space and makes the pass to Mello who who is open for three and makes the three and that might just be his emotional intelligence you know knowing it's a long season but I think it was a set play actually I think I think the the play was yeah yeah he at least was fine doing it yeah. yeah he he his muscle memory didn't take over so I'm calling that a win and during the regular season, too, I think even in the last couple Durant years, when KD was healthy, he did focus a little bit more on distributing. But I think he understands maybe he's trying to learn from this idea as Draymond Green uh, talked trash to him that he shot KD out of town. And Melo, at least, is probably there for another year. And so they're trying to get Paul George to opt in as well. They're going to have to play better for sure. And they also are going to need to find a fifth guy. You know, Robertson, uh, I mean, yeah, we're getting a little negative here, but this is a good team. We can be a little negative uh, on a good team. Like just horrendously airballed two free throws. And I think like Donovan will really lose confidence in him when he goes to the foul line and has trouble. I, I don't think Robertson has even hit a three yet. He has not looked comfortable taking them, even from the corners. Uh, he appears to have regressed, if anything, after those playoffs last year and now more pressure of them having 
having guys who can replace him and then they tried to go to Abrinas and I think he'll be better in in other matchups but the Wolves attacked Abrinas with Andrew Wiggins getting into the post with Jimmy Butler getting into the post and so they had to go away from him they actually went with Ray Felton uh, who's a little bit stouter and those units looked okay Felton has been evolved in a pretty decent three-point shooter but the hope I think maybe eventually is that Patrick Patterson can be a guy uh who comes in he was probably would be their fourth best player when healthy but he hasn't looked healthy yet and that's a concern so these guys are going to take a little while to hit their stride you know Mello and PG have got to shoot a little bit better Mello and Russ and and PG all take a few too many bad shots maybe they can excise those out a little bit uh so I I think there's still a lot of hope for these guys I wouldn't be panicking at, at one and two and these last two games have been against some pretty good teams although in fairness teams that may be below them in the west hierarchy at least as we expected coming in but it's a long season and we are going to temporarily suspend the power of positivity for the phoenix suns because the suns have some news and we have to talk about that in the way that we usually talk about news yeah and the reason that this happened was they were outscored by 92 points over their first three games got beat at home by the lakers who have looked pretty terrible aside from that the defense has just been an absolute complete disaster i mean i i can't think of ever having seen worse pick and roll defense than we saw against the lakers in that game with lonzo who is not some great scorer at this point like him putting up those type of points wasn't be he had a few nice shots but they were just providing no resistance on these plays where he's getting the room and there's just no excuse for it because it's just it was obvious that they just kept doing the same thing over and over again you know tyson chandler is just kind of sticking to brooke lopez they had no activity Devin Booker just is like one of the worst help defenders in the NBA. I mean, he there's a play where he was guarding Corey Brewer in the weak side corner. Your job in the, when you're in the guarding the guy in the weak side corner is generally to come and help. And Corey Brewer is like a career 28% three-point shooter. And so Lonzo comes off the pick and roll. You should be primed to help when you know that your pick and roll coverage is, hey, we're going to, Tyson Chandler is going to stick to Brooke Lopez. And Lonzo just comes right down the lane for a layup. And Devin Booker just never moves from the block. And it's Corey Brewer that you're guarding, right? Like just, it really, and the, the, we saw plays like that on every single possession, really. And so... I think there had to be a concern, both in terms of this team's spirit with how they had defended, uh, and also just the development of these young players, right? Even though McDonough got a contract extension, that's really the important thing. And it seems clear, given the way they've defended, that these young players just are not learning the habits on the defensive end. And that's why a change should probably be made. But, uh, you know, they're <laughs> the other suits on their bench are not exactly filled with uh, defensive gurus, if you get my drift. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like they also fired three other coaches, but only two of them were player development, including Mehmet Okur, which is, you know, he's been around the league for a while now. It's a little bit sad. But the Suns are just in this weird situation because it's well, hard well, to... Well, hold on. Let, let me let me get to that because maybe, maybe you didn't see where I was going. Uh, Jay Triano is going to be the interim coach. Triano presided over two last-ranked defenses in Toronto. And then they also have Ty Corbin on the bench. Was he part of the, one of the guys who got axed or no? I don't think he was. And uh, his Utah Jazz in his last year there were, uh, you guessed it, the 30th ranked defense. KP noted that one in his piece. I remembered Triano. I didn't remember Corbin. So probably not going to look up necessarily anytime soon. And 
it really seems like you know this is a team that other than getting out in transition didn't really have any kind of an identity there wasn't really any kind of accountability especially for Booker who really has kind of gotten the royal treatment as the franchise savior and he's been a good scorer but and all the players love Watson but they also you know maybe that's too much of a problem because he's not able to hold them accountable and so they definitely need some new blood in there I'm just not sure that like Jay Triano for the rest of the year is going to solve anything and I do I mean if this is the plan right they're going to be a bad team we get that you know that they elected not to use any cap space to try to compete this year even to just sign like a one-year deal or something you know they have all these young guys they want to develop they gave McDonough a contract extension for executing this strategy so it doesn't really make sense even though it has been an embarrassing start that they would just move on from Watson because like really like the one of the it's not like these coaches on the bench are like some great option to improve the defense and like help you compete a little more I mean it just seems more like it's like Robert Sarver was pissed off and embarrassed so he decided to fire Watson to quote a different a different coach from the same state they are who we thought they were that I mean it's not that big a jump I mean yeah they've been awful defensively and some of that is you know guys that have a rep but haven't really done that haven't really been as dominant in recent years you and I talked about this with Eric Bledsoe that I was excited to see Bledsoe against Lonzo and you're like yeah but Eric Bledsoe hasn't defended like that in a while and it's true and he didn't in that game of course and so you have all of that coming together it's just like well well what did you think was going to happen and I don't know where you go from here also because there this is an, an important evaluation year for them just in terms of figuring out where they want to go from here some of the in the draft is always about opportunity you know the best player available and things like that but they have young talent all over the place and so it's who's good who's not and what strengths and weaknesses do you need to consider when you're building this team and when we were before we got the Watson news and we were going for the positives I had two positives that I was going to bring up and also I'll talk about them now one is I like that Watson did was not starting Marquise Chris because Marquise Chris was not one of their best players that year and I think it's good to give TJ Warren the opportunity and the other one was there was a play that I really liked from Josh Jackson Zach Lowe had a nice tweet today about how passing is a good way of calibrating which rookies get it. He had a drive and he didn't do a drive and then a pass to the corner because that's an easier line. Guys do that all the time. It was a drive and then a kick out above the break on the opposite side. And he saw it the whole way. I think the guy missed the three. I think it was TJ Warren missed the three, but it was a nice recognition. And I enjoyed that he had that read and that he was able to do it because it's, you know, it's a tough line. Yeah, they are starting Warren and Jackson together, which makes some sense. So it's the two guys that they have the, well, I, I mean, I guess you could say that Bender and Chris, they have the biggest investment in there, but Warren and Jackson, in theory, a part of their future as well and i think they really got to figure out what's going on at power forward here because there are a lot of bigs coming up in this draft they, they need a long-term center as well and then they need a long-term point guard eric bledsoe tweeting you know i don't want to be here anymore and john gambadora has kind of been all over this story that he hey bledsoe likes watson that maybe that tweet was the result of watson being fired as opposed to what got Watson fired. But, and Gambodero also says that Bledsoe wants to be moved and will be moved at some point. And I mean, I you know this whole like people always get angry when like players like make trade requests and stuff like and probably better to just go through your agent but i don't really mind players making a trade request like as someone who watches the whole league it's totally understandable that players would want to be out of these miserable situations remember too that it wasn't earl watson's decision last year to sit eric bledsoe down for the entire rest of the season and try and tank for a better draft pick i would imagine that 
as a coach he was against that and he wasn't really happy with how that would have helped the, the culture and the winning and maybe you know if they keep Bledsoe around and they win 32 games last year instead of whatever it was 24 it probably wouldn't have gotten that high but you know if they get to high 20 or something maybe Watson isn't fired right now is there's still a perception change that happens when you sit those guys and your record is your record so I, I still think Watson probably wasn't was the least exciting coach in the NBA from my perspective and I think you know he wasn't helping this team along so I see it from that perspective but I also don't see it from an overall organizational philosophy perspective like what changed in the first three games to make you think that this guy wasn't the coach when he was before yeah he seemed overmatched but that wasn't really what sabotaged this season so far so I'm about to get married and as a result my thoughts have turned to what I am going to wear and what my groomsmen are going to wear and thankfully i have this relationship with indochino i've got confidence in them to make a great made to measure suit that's way better than what you're get, gonna get as a generic off the rack suit i might even buy those for my groomsmen none of them are listening so shouldn't take away the surprise but as you guys have heard me remark before i'm about six six and it's got kind of an oddly shaped body so if i get a suit off the rack that fits me in the shoulders it doesn't fit me in the chest and in the stomach it looks like a tent on me then they tailor it and it's never really fits right right it's not made for someone like me indochino is made for me you can choose from hundreds of top quality fabrics personalize your suit you can get monograms customize the lapel the linings whatever you want it's easy to just do your measurements yourself at home or you can go into any indochino showroom and get it done yourself right now my listeners can get indochino's best deal ever 359 for any premium suit when you enter that code cap space easy to remember because we talk about it all the time on the program at checkout 50 percent off the regular price of a made-to-measure premium suit plus shipping is free that's indochino.com promo code capspace for any suit just 359 and free shipping an incredible deal for a suit that's going to fit you better than anything off the rack ever could my indochino suits are always the first ones that i wear when i'm going to games i've recommended them to many people even in my personal life they all have thought they're great indochino.com promo code capspace let them know that you came from us let's get to the blazers two and one playing very well a number of things i've really liked about them they are going to their real starting lineup as i call it aminu and harkless at four words not starting evan turner which i think is good although turner they still think of him i guess as their best defensive player they had him going up against Giannis I don't think any of their other guys were doing much better although maybe they could have provided some more size in that 44 point game but they of course absolutely destroyed Phoenix on the road they had a nice pretty easy win at the expense of Indiana and then on the second night of a back-to-back were pretty competitive against Milwaukee had a nice comeback from five points down in the last minute and then uh, just got Giannis at the end um I think really the biggest thing about them has been that they've defended pretty well so far, which if you saw their defense the first half of last year is certainly a pleasant surprise. That was one of the bigger elements during that stretch when they were super hot after getting Nurkic before he went down with the leg injury was that they were a lot better defensively and their offense is going to be there when they have Dame and CJ because those guys are phenomenal talents. And something else that I've enjoyed with them so far is that they've been, and some of this is, you know, opponents and everything else they've been ridiculous on the offensive glass they are at a 40.3 offensive rebound percentage right now which is eight percent up on the entire league 
Is that Nurkic doing most of the damage? I guess Ed, they missed Ed Davis a lot last year when he was out. I think he he is an underrated part of their offensive rebound. I imagine Nurkic is involved in that as well. Yeah, and also the fact that they can that they have so many other guys that can just attack it at little moments. Like yeah, I mean Ed Davis had he had eleven rebounds in their game against the against the Bucks, and we've talked about the Bucks offensive rebounding issues. Yeah, Davis three or four offensive rebounds in all three of their games. So that helps. That's impressive. The sixth ranked defense overall playing two teams that really suck offensively but that's not the end of the world uh actually but when we're not gonna do too many of these stats here because they're not that significant but once we start getting it we're actually going to use ben falk site cleaning the glass which has the actual possession counts and in addition to a ton of other stuff so that we'll we might have a little bit different numbers than you have at nba.com in terms of the raw numbers because he actually counts possessions by the play-by-play instead of estimating and has a bunch of other cool stuff you know ben from uh having worked with the sixers and blazers before they're also close closing off their own defensive glass that's been a great part of their solid defense to date and they're not fouling at all which has really helped they never are going to turn teams over that's just not how Terry Stotts plays defense Yusuf Nurkic is going to hang back on the pick and roll as they have done since time immemorial with guys like Robin Lopez so they're not going to force turnovers but so far at least they've been effective and we'll see whether you know they're they're going to just try to force the right kind of shots and then hope that other teams don't hit as many of them we'll see if this holds up when they get into playing some better teams and they did struggle uh, against the bucks uh, late in that game and they really just had no answers at all for Giannis. so they're always going to be limited a little bit by their personnel you know if they can just be around average defensively i think that'll be enough for this team to make the playoffs let's move on to the sacramento kings the kings are one and two their win was against the the mavericks actually in their first road game of the year they were close against the rockets who were on the tail end of a back-to-back but they they look good in that game in their home opener and i've been encouraged by the fight that they've shown you know that they have been really trying out there they have a lot of guys so they can roll through them and De'Aaron fox is still a rookie but you know there he's had some moments to show like that he's a talent that he's a part of their future yeah the kings only giving up 101.6 points per 100 that's 11th in the league they played the mavs who were pretty miserable offensively so far they didn't have dennis smith in that game but they also played Houston and Denver, who were two of last season's top offenses. So to be, I mean, I think if this team is going to have any type of modicum of success this year, it's going to come on defense. It's going to come from playing hard. And you mentioned that also the fact that George Hill was able to have a nice 20-point game, really efficient against the Mavs was good. He had not looked good to me so far coming off that toe injury from last year. And I mean, Fox has just looked good, right? I mean, he's he's not like a classic finisher in the sense that like he gets great extension or he double pumps. He just he gets so much elevation even though he has two hands on the ball and he usually finishes with his left that he's able to bounce off of guys and finish and he's still a terror in transition to me he's got this right to left crossover coming down in semi-transition that'll just burn guys and he can get to the rim scored a lot of his points in garbage time against the nuggets last night but still i mean to have be scoring in double figures i also think that some of their best lineups could potentially be fox and hill together to just get a little bit more playmaking on the floor whereas maybe fox isn't quite ready to be the number one guy yet and he'll function best as a secondary playmaker who still gets to work a little bit as well but compared to like buddy healed or bogdanovich hill is probably a better defender and they just they need somebody who can attack off the dribble in this game uh justin jackson actually started their last game as well kind of got the keith bogans but 
you know at least it played a little bit they've been going more with garrett temple as their three for the bulk of the minutes though uh but i think it's just it's been an encouraging start to me for the kings i think they're always gonna struggle to some degree on offense i mean their game against denver was really rough and they're 28th in offense only 96.1 points per 100 and i'd expect them to be in the bottom five all year in terms of offense but uh i think overall if they can compete this year that they can feel good about that at least defensively yeah i'm good with that san antonio 2-0 and including that early win against the wolves that we talked about that we covered on the twitter nba show and the two big takeaways for me from that game i'll leave one of them to you because i know you it's it's something that, that you've been focusing on is i've been impressed with dejounte murray's defensive potential he is never uh, never is a strong word he probably will never be the linchpin of a dominant offense just especially without his jump shot but he can be positive in that way and he can get in passing lanes i like his instincts i like his athleticism and if you play him let's say the rest of this year next year with danny green and Kawhi leonard you can do some nasty stuff defensively. Yeah, even without Leonard, they shut down Minnesota pretty good. And then obviously the Bulls only had 77 points against them. The Bulls probably going to be the worst offense in the NBA this year, though there are plenty of candidates for that, uh, especially even Atlanta now. Schroeder's going to miss some time. That ankle injury he had uh, looked like it was going to be pretty ugly uh, in that Brooklyn game today. But still, I mean, the, these guys are always going to defend it. And it's kind of a reminder, too, even with Kawhi out of how different regular season NBA basketball is against the majority of teams, even with this new NBA where everyone wants to pace in space and take a ton of threes. If you just have enough size on the floor and then you can force teams to go into that size as the Spurs do and then not turn it over and get defensive rebounds like you're going to be successful against a lot of these teams a lot of these teams are just not going to be able to score against them you mentioned Murray Danny Green had a wonderful opening game guarding Jimmy Butler and then Rudy Gay has looked pretty solid as well in the first couple just athletically getting a few dunks um we talked about him maybe as an overlooked six-man candidate if he can keep this up we'll see it's only been a couple of games we'll see if he's able to play enough minutes or enough games the Spurs will clearly be conservative with him but certainly again uh looking just fine in San Antonio and when Kawhi gets back you you would expect them to be right up there in the upper echelon of the West the last team, the Utah Jazz, they're 2-1, and one, and I have been impressed with a lot of different things with the Jazz. Their depth was something that we focused on as being a strength of their team. Just they have a lot of good players, that especially they were able to get them on reasonable contracts, guys like Tavo Cephalosha. And Alec Burks was not a guy we ever mentioned in that list because... He, with the injuries that he's had, you never really assumed for it. You, you didn't game plan for Alec Burks being a part of it. That was a very encouraging part of their first game. And then the other big takeaway, which relates to Alec Burks, because he was on the line, he was on the line for a lot of these, was their bench has been absolutely annihilating people. Oh yeah, I mean Ekpe Udo's plus minus is back in full force. He bragged about himself as one of the best defensive players in the world in training camp this year he is backing that up completely Derek favors I mean they were getting away with him guarding mellow on Saturday he was doing a totally good job with that uh, the pressure that they're able to put out on the floor and pick and rolls with favors and Udo together is excellent Burks whom you mentioned 21 PR in three games 67 percent true shooting and not a huge usage either he's not taking bad shots 21 percent usage which for someone in his role uh is pretty good 
Tabo Cephalosha has looked at least competent enough offensively that he can be out there on defense. And then maybe Joe Ingles is on fire. He's 85% true shooting. He is 12 of 19 so far on three pointers. <laughs> really impressive there. He's taken 19 of his 26 shots from downtown. And they have great balance as well. This is an interesting stat for you. Ricky Rubio, Rudy Gobert, and Joe Ingles lead the team with 44 points scored each over three games. And Derek Favors has 43 points in three games so uh yeah that's some balance for you that is and i want to i want to give a couple of stats just on their bench because it's been pretty impressive and so you're dealing of course with small sample sizes here they have a plus 56.9 net rating in the minutes ekpe udo and alec burks have played together that's 28 minutes plus 72.6 in udo's minutes with tabo cephalosha and shout out to ethan sherwood strauss who has been i'm sure is absolutely delighted by the ekpe udo renaissance as somebody who believed in his defensive potential before probably even before Ekpe did in all honesty and he's been great he really has been yeah Ethan tweeted out this Warriors World article from 2012 and it was like it was all about Udo's defense and to illustrate his defense this is like before anyone was like doing like videos he just took he had like 25 screenshots, like all from one possession in which he just like narrated what happened in the possession. Uh, NBA writing has, has come a long way. Uh, certainly mine has since uh, I started writing it in 2012. But uh, yeah, I'll have to, I actually am living basically like a mile north of Ethan now. We're, we're like just off the same street um, as soon as I move next week. So I'll have to invite him over for uh, some Ekpe Udo watch parties. And uh, last good news too, it was few on saturday night that rodney hood has torn had torn his achilles he had to be carried off the floor was clutching at the back of his ankle where you would think it was an achilles and usually when something like that happens he's like oh well if you they think it's an achilles it always ends up being that and then as it turned out it's just a calf strain and he is actually like questionable to play later this week so really good news uh, for rodney hood Uh, i mean he definitely has a lot of nagging injuries and it's been a problem so far in his career but at least he avoided like the major one uh especially for a guy who was extension eligible not clear if the jazz really made much of an offer to him but it's at least good to see that he is uh will have a chance to come back and be healthy pretty soon here so are you in a sunshiny mood here where all this positivity can you is it just like bursting out of your heart right now well i mean i could get positivity just generally like i i did league pass games of the week today and i get excited i get excited at the beginning of the year because there's just so much going on and this is not the greatest slate of games actually for this coming week but there's always something worth watching and there's always something worth seeing and you get games like not only the wool thunder game which was just a delight but bucks blazers was a blast and we've had a lot of those this week and the voyage of discovery for a lot of these teams is just going to be exciting for the next week and and moving forward of course and so keeping an eye on that and then i've been thinking you know i'm working on this it's like a 1400 word piece that i've already written for the athletic that's coming out about the teams that i think are going to be the rising title contenders in future years and so i've been watching some of these games with that in mind and i like thinking about where this league is going right now yeah we'll have to talk about that later this week once it comes out but uh i hated this podcast i can't be relentlessly positive it's not in my nature i'm really looking forward to talking about whose rookie options might get declined tomorrow yeah a mix is a little bit more fun but i enjoyed this too (laughs) 
it's gonna get edited out when i truncate the silences but there was like a 15 second pause there as As danny was left speechless by my hate uh all right thanks so much for listening you guys don't forget our sponsors new sponsor rx bar rx bar dot com slash cap space use that cap space code get 25 percent off your first order let them know that you came from us and we will be back on monday talk to you all then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.